Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, welcome everybody. The Robert Scott Bell Show is on special edition as I am traveling to the Reawaken America tour, thanks to the invitation of Clay Clark and all the amazing people that are going to be there, uh, General Flynn and others. Uh, it's uh, Judy Mikovits is going to be there. Brian Artis, uh, Rashid Batar, Doctor Batar, um, uh, Simone Gold. I'll be speaking right after those three doctors, which is kind of cool on Saturday. Uh, so I'm very excited about that, but. Uh, because of that, we've just got some uh, audio with a, st a still image for those that usually watch live the Robert Scott Bell Show, along with Jonathan Emord, as we do our Sacred Fire of Liberty edition together each week. And Jonathan is uh, out and about traveling with the uh, Exploratory Committee, as we talked about for him to uh, potentially run for the United States Senate out of Virginia in a couple of years to defeat Tim Kaine. If you guys want to support those efforts, those links are in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. And I'll just tell you what it is right now. And you can go there, emord4va, emord4va.com. And you can contribute and make it a reality, which will be awesome. Because if he's running, he's going to win. I'm just saying it. And uh, Jonathan, God bless you, my brother. Thank you so much for being here and uh, rekindling that sacred fire of liberty each time. You bet, Robert. My pleasure. So uh, as you're out and about, the the you know every, every time I talk to you, it, it sounds very positive and encouraging, and I expected that based on what's happening out there in the American world, so to speak. People are fed up. They're also tired of career politicians, and they're looking for someone of integrity that knows the Constitution, that has done battle in, with the oligarchy, that could make a difference, as we talked about in the U.S. Senate. Uh, any interesting stories from the road as you're traveling around to kind of see or gauge the interest? There's quite a bit of interest. Uh, people are indeed fed up. I find across the board, people are just disgusted by high inflation, high gas prices, the critical race theory in the schools, the gender orientation dogma that's being spread in the schools, uh, the, the essentially uh, validation, quote unquote, of child abuse by schools. I mean, it's just an incredible. And then the open borders. I mean, people are, if you, if you take a look at the top issues that people are confronting in the polls, they really do very much mirror what virtually every single voter is talking about. So when I meet people all across the country, California, Oregon, here I am in North Carolina, uh, and appear on radio programs and television programs, the themes are always the same uh, this election cycle, which is kind of unusual because the interests of people, as they explain themselves to you, is how do we get control of inflation? It's destroying my family. It's stealing my my uh, retirement. How am I going to retire? I'm going to have to work another 10 years because my retirement is evaporating. Uh, people are saying about the schools, it's horrific that their own children are being abused by teachers that won't allow any dissent that are telling them that basically everything in the United States is based on racism, that everything's systemically racist. And people are also very disgusted with the way in which the whole COVID treatment of the population took place, that people were dictated to rather than told to just go to their physician and find out what's best for them. They were told it's a one size fits all. You get a vax, you're going to be okay, which was a lie. Uh, so yeah, people are fed up with government. They're fed up with the school systems. They're fed up with vacuous, uh, liberal politicians who promise the world and never deliver. Mm -hmm. 
So I see all across the board a general disgust. I think it's going to translate into very big victories for Republicans in the House. I think we may indeed see a switch of the Senate. I know people have been going back and forth on that, who pundits who've talked about it, but I think we're going to see it. Um, if, if not, we're going to be in a position, you know, if I, if I were to run in 2024 to be able to do it then. But the fact of the matter is, um, it's, it's really heartening for me to see my fellow citizens standing up for their country and not just going along with us. Europe went along with it. Europe just rolled over and let it happen. There were some conflicts, yes, but by and large, the population set up, well, you know, we're just going to endure it. And they and they were they were fed socialism and they still have socialism and it's dominating their lives and they hate it. But here in this country, we have a long history of tradition of, of experiencing freedom. And what I'd hoped was that we would reach a point where people would say, OK, I can't tolerate this. I won't. I'm not mm-hmm. going to let this country fall into an abyss of socialism. I don't care what they're saying as far as promises are concerned. I don't care what they're saying about the Green New Deal. I know what I know. I know that freedom works. If you're free, you can achieve. Uh, And people are standing up for that message. It's a very, very uh, wonderful thing to see the American people rise up and take back the government of the United States from corrupt politicians who want to drive us into socialism for their own benefit yeah. at our expense. Well, st- and standing up to it, of course, is not without its uh, um, uh, difficulties or challenges. You know, for those that are more interested in being liked and, and you know, getting praise from those people in the media, uh, they kind of remain silent because they're more afraid of the public perception. Uh, for those of us who care not for public perception, only that we live in principle, and more people are coming to that equation that that's a better way to live. Uh, they're standing up and pushing back against those that do control a lot of the messaging in the media and even government, et cetera. So uh, I'm pleased to say that I'm seeing more people willing to stand up just as you're seeing it. And I think partly because of the difficulties that are being uh, brought about by these uh, collectivist globalist policies. Now, I, I think I sent to you the other day uh, on the Western Journal, there was a commentary piece. And uh, headlines this, Miami-Dade County messes with the wrong Christian, gets hit with a federal lawsuit. Basically, he says um, this man has filed a suit, a federal suit, against the county's board of commissioners are alleging religious discrimination over mandated re-education training after he expressed his personal opinions in his own free time about the insanity that is the U.S. Congress Equality Act. Did you see this? I saw that. I didn't read it. Unfortunately, I was traveling and couldn't. But go ahead and tell me about it. Well, here's a case of uh, th- this is a guy, John Labriola, in 2021. He was a media aide for the Miami-Dade County Board of Directors, and he wrote it, uh, wrote a full-throated rebuke, according to this article, of the Equality Act, which he which he said had been described as the most comprehensive assault on Christianity ever written into law. And, and, you know, if you read it, you're like, it's very anti-Christian, very anti-religion. You can't even believe what you believe because it's your honest to goodness religious belief. And so suddenly now he's told in order to keep his job based on what he wrote privately about his own beliefs about this, that he has to now go under some re-education training and sensitivity training. And he's like, 
forget that. I'm going to sue you because this is this is pure on religious discrimination. And I'm thinking this is happening everywhere. Yeah, this is what we're talking about. People are really reaching that point. This guy is a, a wonderful example of how, look, we have to stand up for our rights. We cannot expect them to be there if people are trying to take them away. If we don't fight for them, we will lose them. And so here you have a patriot who's unwilling to sit back and allow his religious liberties to be taken away from him. So he is standing up and fighting for. And we've seen this all over the country. I mean, we've seen people who have expended huge sums of money uh, to rise their to raise their cases all the way to the Supreme Court. The Baker, for example, I think she was in Colorado. I'm not sure. Yes, that's right. Yes. Uh, And you've got the the situation where, you know, those it would be easy enough to just cave in right against her religious principles and to do what society and the rest of the world wants her to do. Uh, with with her own resources. Mm-hmm. And she's saying, no, uh, I can, I have religious liberties. I have a right to protect. I have a right to expect the government will protect my rights. And I am not going to cave even to an aggressive city council that has adopt, adopted a requirement that I comply or be penalized. Uh, and, you know, so you have these very mm-hmm. courageous people. We have to, we depend on them. Yeah. to save our country. If they aren't, if they weren't there, all of this would happen like in Canada and we'd mm-hmm. be sitting there having our arms taken away from us. We'd be having our liberties yeah. taken away. We would be fearful to communicate any dissenting viewpoint. And mm-hmm. that's what this uh, radical movement in the United States wants to do to us. But yeah. fortunately for us, people are standing up like this person and yeah. fighting against it. Now, it's interesting, the county policy that he's, you know, he's fighting against the county in this case, it specifies that religious beliefs are among other protected classes, according to the, you know, their own uh, guidelines or or policies, such as gender identity or sexual orientation. Uh, But Labriola's attorney says the county and board of commissioners violated his right to free speech and free exercise of religion, according to Title 42 of the United States code. Uh, how does that play out? This title 42 is a referencing in this case, perhaps. Well, you're not allowed to discriminate against someone predicated upon their religion or their race or Mm -hmm. their, their creed. And he's just uh, pointing out that it is a federal violation of the civil rights act of 1964 to deprive him of his religious liberties. And He's absolutely right. I mean, I think this is a slam dunk case, frankly. And, you know, and, so they're so brazen across the country. They adopt legislation like this in many local jurisdictions mm-hmm. uh, and in urban areas. And it's, uh, you know, those things will stay on the books and they will have their intended effect until someone rises up and, and goes after them. Yeah, it's, it's kind of uh, interesting to say the least when you talk about they don't want discrimination of whatever they are into. And look, if somebody's qualified to do a job and they happen to be gay, transgendered, confused, whatever, look, I don't disqualify them. If you do the job you're hired to do, do the job. But when you start saying, right. hey, you can't, you're not allowed to have your own personal religious beliefs that have nothing to, uh, you know, that's again where it crosses over because we're not telling everybody to believe exactly what we believe either. We recognize the uniqueness among the many things that America makes it great is a recognition that we should have religious freedom, religious liberty. And, you know, even for those that don't believe in religion, uh, that's the freedom of America. Well, recognize this. Yeah, we have a First Amendment that's very interesting. It protects freedom of religion. Yes, freedom, free exercise of religion, but also it guarantees against 
the establishment of religion. Now, religion, as was understood even in the time of the founding of the Republic, is really an ideological conception uh, that varies from person to person as to what constitutes their religion. And in this case, what we really have is a secular religion insisting that it be established to the exclusion of individual religious preferences. So you have this effort to prevent people from having free exercise and of their religion, and it's doing it in order to establish a secular state. And that secular state is indeed a concept of religion in that it is an ideological principle, scruple, that yeah. is being forced to the exclusion of anything else. That's an establishment of religion, actually. And um, when James Madison introduced what ultimately became the First Amendment to the Constitution, he had multiple versions that were designed to protect freedom of conscience, freedom of religion, freedom of speech. Uh, and the point is, in his mind, uh, that free exercise of your mind to choose whatever faith you wish to have, to choose whatever uh, political alignment you wish to have, and whatever conceptions you wish to communicate, those things are all uh, within the ambit of what is what is now the First Amendment to the Constitution. Mm -hmm. I and think, uh, and the effort to yeah. you know the effort to mm -hmm. establish this secular state is really running rampant all through education, mm -hmm. all through uh, uh, government services, and in this in this situation as well. To build on on what you're saying about a secular religion, if you will, establishment, violation of the Establishment Clause. You know, I've been talking about this regarding medical or health freedom for a lot of years, as you know. We've been doing this a long time. And that is like in states like West Virginia and I think it was uh, Mississippi and now, of course, California and New York, maybe some others that have denied what we call religious freedom to say, you know, I believe that what's in those shots or those shots themselves are violative of my beliefs about, you know, what I perceive to be right and wrong in terms of, uh, you know, let's say a religious belief as defined. But here we have the next step of that, because again, this is not new. It just is new for a particular segment of the society that wants to define, you know, you must uh, agree with everything LGBTQ and on and on it goes. And yet we have seen the violations of religious liberty for a long time, just as we've seen violations of many things over the, t the span of, you know, your book covering from the late 19th century to today with the progressive era. Uh, and, and I think that, ah, gosh, we're just, we're just waking up now to this because it's become more and more broad as far as it's affecting more and more people and are going, Hey, wait a minute. I didn't have a dog in that fight, but now, you know, so the point is of course, principally fighting for everybody's rights, even for those whom we disagree, like first amendment, uh, protected rights, uh, is to recognize that if we don't fight for those things that we don't like, then eventually it's going to come and bite us in the butt that we didn't defend it on a principled basis. Yes. And one of the, uh, profound things that's happening is that the rights conception that was underlying the Declaration of Independence and uh, the Constitution, which is against government. It is the notion that so long as you are free, you can achieve, you can do, you can be. And that was the state we were meant to be in. Our Constitution meant to liberate us from government oversight and control. And so all of the amendments to the Bill of Rights 
that deal with rights are against government and they have jurisdiction to the extent that government acts. What has happened uh, with the LGBTQ movement's leadership and those who are advocating for uh, the secular religion and so forth is that they interpret rights to be affirmative obligations that all of us must bear in order that others might receive a privilege. Mm -hmm. So you have a class that you identify as privileged, and then you encroach upon everyone's rights. And so long as it is uh, allegedly on behalf of this privileged class, it is deemed lawful. So uh, whatever it is, whether it's advancing in education, a transsexual uh, movement to encourage uh, innocent children to perceive themselves as having a fluid gender when in point of fact they have a fixed gender, but make them believe that they can be any gender they want, even though that is uh, actually uh, physically impossible to achieve, then uh, that dogma is insisted upon with no dissent, and you end up with an, uh, what? A privileged class, those who will adhere to this dogma, uh, violating the rights of all others, that is, those who wish to dissent or wish to, to actually expound a view that is consistent with biological science, and you end up with a uh, deprivation of rights of individuals who don't agree with this. So you have a trans uh, male, who's a biological male, who says that he's transitioning to female or is a trans female being able to participate in girls' sports, even though there is a vast physio physiological difference between a boy and a girl, they use this euphemism, a falsehood, that the transitioned boy is somehow different from a regular boy. And while that may, in some instances, be achievable in the extreme, if you can bring hormone levels down and muscle mass down and so forth, the reality is 99% of the time it will be that the, the physical advantages of being a male enable the male to exceed at a rate that is uh, devastating to girls' sports. But we violate the rights of all the girls to compete with one another by their association, their freedom of association, taking mm -hmm. it away to advance a privileged class at the expense of everyone else. That is the opposite of what's what the founding fathers understood rights theory to be rights theory is not empowerment by the government for a privileged few to deprive all others of rights mm -hmm. rights theory is that no one may stand in an unequal position before the law predicated upon their characteristics that all will be treated equally under the law and that your rights will be respected by government and mm -hmm. will be a tool or or a shield against government in its effort to deprive you of your liberties. This whole opposite yeah. movement looks to government to deprive everyone of their rights for the sake of a privileged few. Yeah, and for the sake of clarity, I just wanted to also take it to a place I love to take it when we talk about this, is that um, rights by virtue of your membership in a group are not rights, they're privileges. And we often mistake rights and privileges because we don't know the definition of either. And this is a very grave mistake when we are played because we hear the term rights and we don't even ask, hey, what's the definition of that? 
And and yet yes. rights cannot be taken away unless you can are violative of somebody else's rights and you could be imprisoned for it, et cetera. But rights are yours by virtue of your very existence. And again, that's a, a concept that in privileges, and that's not the same thing. And they're individualistic. There is no such thing as a collective right. There are only individual rights. This idea that somehow you can say that the government may define for a collective group of one kind or another what rights they have is, of course, alien to the founding fathers, too. They understood that everyone had rights from God, that those rights were unalienable, and that they are individual rights. They, are per, they, they apply to you as a person, not to you as a member of a group. So important to, to make that distinction, and I appreciate that you do as well. And if we look at your one of your most recent articles, it's in Town Hall. It's called Public Schools from Caretakers to Child Abusers. Now, as we read this article, my thought is, man, shouldn't we have a separation of education and state? Hasn't this been a failed experiment, what's occurred? This mass watering down of education and collectivizing it, teaching the glory of, uh, of, of government and socialism. I mean, is there a way we can go, hey, man, everybody go back to homeschooling, church schooling, and you know, independent things of government so that you have an ability to choose a curriculum that actually can help children to exceed and learn how to think critically. Right. We need school choice. We need to enable parents to not be taxed, to be forced to every, every purse to be forced to pay for public education when it's an utter failure and the private sector, it would be out of business. It would be bankrupt. Public education has failed miserably and continues to fail miserably. There are rare exceptions And what we ought to be doing is encouraging excellence. And the way you encourage excellence is by encouraging competition. The way you encourage competition against the public school system is through school choice, allowing parents to opt out of one school and go to another and to carry with them the tax dollars that would otherwise be allocated for them to that school. And we ought to be able to do that. And we ought to rely on that as as we can to create greater competition. But it's going to take that sort of thing in spades. It's going to take really a re-evaluation for everyone to consider uh, just how little we're actually educating kids in our schools and how much they could be educated and how, how dumbing down in competition the schools are, trying to eliminate competition to make everyone be treated at a low common denominator level that frequently causes children who excel to be treated in a way that doesn't recognize any of their excellence. And each child may excel in one way or another. And that let that excellence is not being encouraged and is not being developed by the public school system. We, if we're going to survive in the world, we have to depend on our next generation and the generation after that and the generation after that. And that means that we need to enable every child to have the greatest opportunity to excel, and we need to get rid of all of these vestiges of socialized education that have failed in favor of freedom of choice, individual freedom of choice, individual uh, freedom of choice leading to competition, and the, the poor schools need to fail. And we, we can't treat the schools like we did uh, the banking system. You can't just prop up schools indefinitely that fail and allow generation after generation to be sucked into a great big black hole of education that destroys them. And that's what we are doing. We we need to change that. But can't you hear the, the collectivists cry? Oh, if you make 
education private. Only wealthy people will be educated, and it'll be a harmful thing for people who are poor. I'm thinking, how is this education system that happens now where children are being abused helpful? And I've said this as well with socialized medicine. The people that are awake to know that the only kind of medicine in socialized medicine will typically be chemo radiation and you know toxic poisons for which you have no deficiency. And you say, well, I'm happy poor people can access that, but I won't use it. So for people that lean left and support these collectivist ideas, there is so much innovation in freedom. There is so much competition in freedom that we will be better off by far. But again, I hear the people that don't have a concept of what it's like to live in freedom. They're afraid of this. Well, uh, what we're talking about really is a very small percentage of the population and the elitist group that thinks they know better than we do how best to take care of our own children. They're the same people who are indoctrinating kids in Marxist critical race theory and uh, have adopted hook, line, and sinker this whole idea that somehow birth genders are fluid and that we can have 562 million pronouns that we use to refer to children, all on the notion that the pronouns that apply to their birth genders ought to be changed to something different and that we ought to confuse the living daylights out of little impressionable children so that they think that they need to become a gender other than what they are and that they need to use some uh, peculiar reference that uh, is a different uh, pronoun and and be known as Sally when they're really Sam. Uh, the, point, the point here is uh, that the lie is exposed. Uh, everyone who's in the public education system realizes that it's failing. Everybody realizes that the opportunities there, but for select individual teachers who may excel in their abilities, are largely ignored. And those teachers that excel are not complemented with greater income. The teachers that excel are treated the same as the teachers that fail. So why would any teacher uh, strive to excel when everybody is going to be paid the same, regardless of how well they do? It is a, it is a real uh, crisis. And the answer to it is, if you ask virtually any mother or father of a child in a public school in an inner city, would they, uh, if they had the, the money that was paid through taxes for their child to be educated in that public school, reallocated to a private school, would they opt to go to a private school of their choosing? And they would say yes. And you know what? A marketplace is created by that opportunity. Schools change their, uh, private schools change their uh, their tuition requirements in order to accommodate students from public schools that are, that are moving to the private schools. They want to see this transition take place in the private sector, and there are, co- there are educational institutions that pop up because of it. There are home tutors. A whole slew of, of people will go to your home and tutor your child if you have the financial wherewithal to pay for it. There are also homeschooling opportunities, endless. I mean, we saw during the pandemic all of these virtual learning experiences being transitioned into homeschooling by companies with more Mm -hmm. interesting and interactive experiences than the kids were having in the public schools. So millions of, of parents chose to move their kids out of public schools. You don't have to go through all the masking. You don't have to have the mandatory shots. You don't have to have the CRT agenda. You don't have to have the uh, gender orientation studies. You don't have to have a, any of this nonsense that most people reject uh, propagandized to their kids. I mean, if 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 if, if anyone is going to be uh, led through propaganda to a particular conclusion, most parents would say, "I'd rather have my own propaganda taught to yeah. my children, thank you, exactly. than yours." 
Well, right now, uh, parents are struggling to deprogram their children from the cult of collectivism taught in these so-called public or government indoctrination center schools. And so uh, it's really bad. Just as I've said in modern medicine, even though there's innovation, despite a lot of government uh, intervention, uh, it's still the third leading cause of death by their own statistics within their own medical journals. Is that what we want mandated via a socialized system, a one-size-fits-all and, and single-payer? We're going to get to that in just a moment. I just want to do a shout-out and thank you to our friends at Trinity School of Natural Health that support this message of health, freedom, and healing liberty. And in case you missed the Trinity Health Freedom Expo from a couple of weeks back, uh, Jonathan Emord was absolutely sensational, as always, not only in the panel, but his opening uh, lecture as well. We also want to let you know that that and all of the things that occurred at the Health Freedom Expo, as far as presentations, are going to be available at a virtual expo in February of 2023. So pay attention to that. And we'll likely do an updated health freedom panel, as we typically do uh, at, at that time, uh, that's new and hasn't been done, in, you know, at the October event in Chicago. So, and we may have some interesting updates in February by that year when we're, when we're together on that panel too, Jonathan, uh, but quick shout yeah. out as well to our friends at nutritional frontiers and orange guard, orangeguard.com doing innovation despite government limitations on the freedom to tell you the truth about things that can help improve your life. Like a pesticide that won't kill you or your kids or your children orangeguard.com. You can get it over at uh, your local Ace Hardware stores or uh, Whole Foods or uh, just go to orangeguard.com and do send us a picture in when you get that bottle uh, to superdonaskrsb at gmail.com and uh, we'll include you in a in a kind of a, a giveaway later in the month again if we can do it again. I'd love to do that. Also, uh, shout out to uh, Clay Clark and the Reawaken America Tour. I'll be joining you guys and gals at that event in Branson, Missouri this weekend. And then the following uh, weekend will be in Salt Lake City for the Red Pill Expo, thanks to G. Edward Griffin. And I know, Jonathan, we're t working behind the scenes to try and get you a, a big event in Utah as well, a fundraiser for your uh, exploratory committee. And so be on the alert, because if we can put this together quickly, I'll let everybody know about it on this show the moment we have details. Sounds good, Robert. Yeah. So what do we have? We have Emord 4 VA. It's linked up among other stories. This next story I wanted to talk to Jonathan about kind of builds on some of the discussion points uh, from today and previous shows. A headline from ABC reads, Oregon could be the first state to make health care a human right. Uh, Subheadline, Oregon voters are being asked to decide whether the state should be the first in the nation to amend its constitution to explicitly declare that affordable health care is a fundamental human right. Now, that first of all, they don't understand what a right is. That's where they get that wrong. But what is health care? Is that defined? And will everybody in Oregon agree with that? Yeah, this is uh, one of the examples of a big fraud, because what you're really saying is rather than the individual deciding what is in their own best health interest, that instead the, the state government will make that determination for people. In other words, it's back to the old collectivist idea that you can have as a people, a body of all people, one uniform recognition of right that is defined by the government. And because it is coming from the government, it may be taken away. As you pointed out, this is actually a privilege. This is not a right that you're seeking. It's a privilege. If it were a right, it would be to prevent the government from doing something to you as opposed to insist that the government provide you with something. Uh, and in the case of a, a health right, what this means is socialized medicine. 
And what do you get from socialized medicine? Well, you get long lines, you get mediocre care, you get taxes that go through the roof, and you get endless misallocation of resources. If you don't believe me, go to Great Britain, go to Canada, go to Europe. You'll see that when there is a acute need in any area that is high demand that suddenly appears, there is a huge lag between the government's response and the treatment received. And the treatment received has to be rationed or apportioned. And the reason is that you can never give something of value away for free without increasing demand to the point where rationing is necessary. This is the age-old uh, truth that arises whenever you adopt a system of socialism. So if the people of Oregon adopt this quote-unquote right, what they are really doing is just granting government bureaucrats in the state far more power over health care in their, in their state yeah, over their than bodies. individuals can exercise. Yeah, if you want to depart from your control over yourself mm -hmm. to government bureaucrats, then you'll vote for this. Well, and remember this health care definition, as I said, well, what does health care mean? If you start polling individuals within Oregon, you're going to find a lot of different de definitions that a lot of liberals that are not thinking critically have not considered. And if you want more options and more choices, it's not going to happen in a single payer system. We already have severe limitations on health care in America under a semi free market. That's not really been a free market because it's kind of crony capitalism with those who have lobbied harder for positioning in monopoly status scenarios uh, that were already limited. And, you know, and, and if anybody was to say, well, it's freedom that made us that made it a problem. It's freedom that caused healthcare to be unaffordable. No, no, no. It's government intervention over the span of a hundred years. There used to be freedom in healthcare in America where you could choose to see a homeopath, an herbalist, a naturopath, a chiropractor, a medical doctor, and the government didn't get away in the way with those choices. It was your choice and it was yeah, affordable. And, and, and the big lie here too, is that look, if you want to see the, the greatest innovation in healthcare and, and in treatments, if you want to see innovation in medicine, if you want to see uh, solutions that work for the patient rather than for government planners, then you can't advocate a position that gives the government the power to regulate and control this entire marketplace. Rather, you need competition. If you have competition, then when you have an issue, you'll be able to say, oh, I can go to X, Y, or Z professional. Mm -hmm. I can see uh, someone who's affordable. I can see someone who's more expensive or I can see the most expensive person in the world. It's my choice. I may not have the resources to see the most expensive person, but here's the real uh, amazing thing about free market in this area. Mm -hmm. If you you'll don't see. have resources sufficient, you'll yep. see far more, you'll have far more opportunities than everyone will have in the socialized medicine system. Yeah. In uh, individuals, even with resources that are stretched, will have far more opportunities in a system that is truly free mm -hmm. than in a system where government planners allocate resources and determine who gets access to them. And here's the other factor. Whenever politicians decide who gets access to something that is scarce, that, the, that they've created scarcity by taking over a market, they do it based on political preferences. So you'll see if Oregon does this, you'll see people in particular categories getting ahead of everybody else 
in the queue. And, and that's the fair that's the absence yeah. of fairness that is inherent in political decision making. It, mm-hmm. it does not exist in a truly free market. Yeah, and for those in Oregon who uh, you know, it's almost a stereotype. It's not exactly accurate, but in on the West Coast, historically, they've been more open to holistic medicines, homeopathy and naturopathy as such. But you'll find that those will not become more available in a single payer socialized system because those forms of medicine, if you will, do not have the resources to purchase and capture the regulatory agencies at the state level, much less the federal They'll level. They'll be defined is, out of existence. It'll be exactly. the same situation as we have with Medicare. Medicare mm-hmm. will not reimburse you for alternative medicine or for right. treatments that it does not recognize as medically reasonable and necessary. You have these politicians deciding what mm-hmm. is medically and reasonable and necessary for each disease state. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what your need is, regardless of your unique characteristics, the government has a uniform system. And if a doctor deviates from it, they're audited. And you'll have the same situation. It'll be a reign of terror over the practice of medicine. Doctors will be bureaucratized and individuals will lose options and freedom of choice. Mm-hmm. There's an article here. And I don't know. You don't have this in front of you. I know you're out and about. I just want to reference Dr. Peter McCullough, who I've befriended and he's been on this show and I've spe- lectured with him on stage. Uh, one of the top cardiologists in the world, board certified. They've uh, removed the certification simply because they don't like what he's saying about COVID jabs, for instance. He's a man of great integrity. I've come to really know and appreciate more by the day watching him. And he's trying now to bring a brand new model of freedom from pharma to Americans because he recognizes this corporatism control over medicine and the innovation that would happen by cooperation, like a Peter McCullough looking at me as a homeopath and going, I love that you're communicating things I never learned in medical school. And I can't do heart surgery, nor am I interested in it. So it's like, we're good. We can all coexist, in fact, and have a better system. And one more thing, Jonathan, to consider, and I know you know this, in a true free market where the government didn't dictate what has to be included in an insurance scheme, a private insurance scheme, you could buy a private catastrophic insurance policy for pennies on the dollar that would cover things like injury, unexpected catastrophe or accidents, where you could argue if you have to go into a hospital system, you could be bankrupted by the the bills, but it could be an affordable plan when the government gets out of the way and they're allowed to provide things that are a little or no risk over a larger pool. But that's how a free market works versus a government sanction. Let's cover everything for everybody all of the time and watch the lines, watch the limitations and watch you, uh, you know, your ability to have what you call healthcare go up in proverbial smoke. Right. Rather than have you either take this or you leave it approach, mm-hmm. which is the Obamacare approach, mm-hmm. what you end up with is the ability to negotiate for specific kinds of coverages that are unique to and necessary for people in your physical condition and your state of life and so forth. So you don't have a one size fits all approach. You have a multifaceted approach and you can buy as much or as little or no insurance, whatever your preference is. And you are, get to be the, the, the one to choose the relative level of risk you wish to accept. Um, that is called freedom. That's what we do every day as free people. We decide that we're going to walk across a certain street, certain time, because that's what we want to do, to go to a specific place. Well, if we, if we were government planners, we might look at that intersection and say, during the hours of 2 to 4 p.m., it is too dangerous uh, your high, your probability of getting hit by a car is increased or doubled or whatever. 
And uh, therefore, we're going to prohibit you from crossing the street. You may not cross the street. You may you must go. You must wait until the time has passed before you may go across the street. No matter how many lines and congestion that creates of human pedestrian traffic, that's what they would say. So the point is that there are always unintended consequences whenever you're not in charge of your own interests. When someone else is going to do it, they don't feel your pain. They don't know what's going to go on in your life. They don't know what steps you're going to take. They make assumptions. That's what they must do because they're not you. So whenever you take something that is so intimately dependent upon your own personal interests, like your own health, and you delegate that away to government people, bureaucrats and planners, they will necessarily do things that contradict your own best interests. And yet you are chargeable with the cost. How? Even if the government pays for it, that doesn't pay, that doesn't compensate you for the mediocre care that you got, for the inadequate care that you got, or for the inappropriate care that you got. Because you can't control who or what kind of care you'll you'll receive. Mm-hmm. So well people need to just think through this. It really, if you carefully think through this, you realize that anytime the government says it's going to take up the cost. That means everybody is going to pay for it through taxes or inflation or ordinarily both. And it also means that resources are going to be allocated for care, not in accordance to need, but in accordance to whatever the government's plan is, which Mm -hmm. is based on assumptions of need, which are only based on histories and can never predict the actual occurrence of demand in the market as it happens. Well, misallocation of resources, I mean, if anybody wants to understand that is if you have learned of holistic methods for what we would call true health care, as I defend your right to choose allopathic if you want, but not in a monopoly, it's not it's not freedom. Um, you, you know, you find that. Wait a second. Uh, the money I have, I want to spend on something different than the government is saying I'm allowed to spend it on again, which is the point gets worse in a single payer socialized system. And I appreciate so much. Jonathan, not only your willingness, which I know to discuss all of these things, but to elucidate with clarity the reasons beyond emotional knee-jerk reactions of, uh, you know, you don't care about people, you want everybody to die. I mean, these are the kind of political rhetoric that is used to dissuade. Uh, you want to kill grandpa and grandma. No, we want them to have adequate care that is not likely to kill them, that will actually help them. And in freedom and innovation, even physicians have learned over the couple of years of COVID craziness that the danger of the monopoly they exist in, even though they have exalted privileged status. And people like Peter McCullough, to my point of trying to make here, is they recognize that they would exist better in freedom, but the mediocre and, and rotten doctors, they rely upon monopoly status. The good doctors are not afraid of freedom. They know that they can innovate and do just fine in those situations. That's certainly true. Uh, If you look anywhere in the world where socialism is dominant and you have a socialized healthcare system, you'll find mediocrity is the name of the game. That is, you get a standard type of treatment that's invariable. I I love Ireland, but when I was over in Ireland, uh, my children were sick and I needed to get medication for them. I got a prescription, but the prescription gave me a rationed dose of the uh of the of the antibiotic that they were given by the irish doctor that ration dose was insufficient to last for the entire period when they needed treatment and i couldn't get it refilled so the point is the poor people in ireland for example 
under socialized medicine were essentially left to uh, receive some dose of, of the treatment, but it was inadequate. And, and in addition, there are you know, all these problems that you see arise when resources are allocated by government planners. So they will, they will have an MRI machine in one location of the country where they've determined that they think that that is the appropriate place for it. But everybody else in the rest of the country has to suffer from this. We even mm-hmm. see this in the, the Medicare rules that are used. And in, in rules that force in our own country, uh, one location from only having so many different uh, medical devices, and then you're, you're obliged to go to a separate location for ones that you may need that are not there. This kind of nonsense is destroying a free market. Free market would have all sorts of options available to people for testing and for treatment, and you would be able to decide how much you wish to expend. And furthermore, as far as indigent care is concerned, you can, you know, what we ought to be doing is, is cutting the taxes for hospitals, doctors, and healthcare providers to the extent that they provide indigent care and can document it. We should have tax deductions so that it's actually in their economic interest to lower their taxes by helping mm-hmm. as many people who are indigent as possible when they uh, have proof of their indigence. Yes. And so you can you can do all these things. You can accommodate all of these things through freedom, through free yeah. exercise of choice in ways that will benefit people. You can change the nature of government to rather than assume control over the provision of care mm-hmm. to the indigent, to allow free people the choice of providing that care with incentives to do so. And you'd yeah. be surprised how many people, with if they have the money available, We'll, we'll be generous and we'll provide that yeah. and we'll do it in a way that is superior to government. You came right around to where I wanted to go. We got about 10 minutes left with Jonathan Emord here on the Sacred Fire Liberty edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show uh, for this hour. And yeah, the freedom of people of good conscience, of of uh, the spirit of charity, you know, people uh, who have a spiritual life, live uh, their religious beliefs will often fill the gap and did long before government began to intervene and block them out, even legally to say, you cannot, you shall not as a, a religious organization interfere in what we call healthcare. And think about the, the generosity and people that are not being starved to death by the cost of government in everything and everywhere. Uh, and the ability to then care for as they did charity hospitals that existed, preexisted very hard to find that anymore, much less the ability to have a little extra to give at a time where the government wants to be everything for everybody. But in reality, to bleed us dry and enslave us to whatever, whatever system it's been sold out to. Uh, now, another aspect of freedom comes to the innovation within the energy sector. Government under collectivist globalists are trying to say that oil is evil and it will destroy the planet and everybody on it. The irony is that as they curtail the ability to produce that, which we have so much of in America, it's going to result in mass deaths this winter and next, and even this summer and next because of the inability to produce the energy necessary to keep these folks alive. And now we're hearing a lot about low diesel supply that will even accelerate it more, not to do necessarily with burning fuel for heat or cooling uh, through energy production, but for the ability to grow food or deliver that food to said stores that are no longer able to replenish the stores that you've been to, that you've bought everything they had. The diesel dilemma is real. It's big. It's real. And not only that, because of the overall reduction in fossil fuels and the massive increase in cost in fossil fuels as a result of government policy to shut down domestic 
production and to starve us of energy independence. What is going to happen, unfortunately, many uh, uh, farmers have been uh, planting less because they can't afford fertilizer costs, which are through the roof. And uh, there's going to be a shortage in basic foodstuffs as a result that will express itself in increased costs in the market and, and decreased availability of goods uh, in the market. So we're going to see in the coming year the consequences of Biden's policies this year. And the consequences are not going to uh, be something that will be will get by because no matter what they do in federal policy, we're going to be stuck as consumers with the effects of a shortage of agricultural products that we have taken for granted as part of our uh, daily staple life. And we're also going to see much higher costs for our agricultural products as well. So for this this administration. And the leadership of the Democratic Party have proven themselves an enemy of the American people. They're attacking us through these various means, all in order to advance what really is a fanciful, fake mm-hmm. uh, vision of a green world where the only species that becomes endangered is human and where that is considered acceptable. No, we are a part of the environment. We ha- you don't have to be extremists and kill off the humanity in order to save the environment. You can save the environment and have prosperity and people, too. Uh, and, and indeed, you'll get a better environment if you allow for the marketplace to flourish because pollution is inefficient. And as a result, the greatest advances in reducing pollution have come about through private innovation led not by government, but by the profit motive, where people have said, okay, you know, if I can recirculate the smoke that's coming out of that stack to produce hydrogen and and oxygen, Mm -hmm. and I can use the carbons that are produced to heat my plant so I don't have to pay as much for energy bills, wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? And then it happened, not because government knew how to mandate that, Government bureaucrats aren't engineers, and the ones who are are overruled by political figures. Same thing with the FDA. FDA is not some bastion of science. FDA is run by politicians who control what the scientists do. You don't get uh, uh, some sort of pristine, independent view out of any of these institutions. You get politically preferred views, and that means that certain people are favored, and all the rest of us pay for that favoritism. Mm-hmm. Well, and you talked about the innovation you've mentioned, and I have too, our friend, Dr. David Martin, and the innovation that he has developed in terms of uh, uh, accessing the incredible amounts of energy available to us right below our feet in the United States, uh, get it, collecting it and in such a pristine way that you have almost 100% efficiency in burning with no hydrocarbon loss or uh, pollution, as well as what's left over on the land is pristine, beautiful, clean soil that can be used for growing food, in fact. Right. And that and is happening despite government. That, yeah. that is the future. This is, this is the, the brilliance of free enterprise when applied into environmentalism. I mean, he is a free market environmentalist. He has come up with a way to not only obtain fuel sources necessary to keep our society going, but to make those fuel sources pristine, to eliminate the contaminants from them, and to make them more efficient. You can use less gasoline if it's coming from his system, 
than from other all other systems and the and the result is more efficiency and less pollution you get a better burning fuel with less uh, pollution as a result of the fact that it has fewer contaminants in the gasoline which makes that fuel greener than the uh, solar panels greener than the battery technology that is very harmful and toxic to this world as it's pulled out of the ground. And, it, you know, the green movement is a communist movement. And I'm not uh, equating everybody in it because there are a lot of people that are true believers that they really do care about the environment as we do, even as considered conservatives and libertarian in our orientation. Uh, we don't want a toxic world. We don't want our kids growing up poison. But the innovation that is occurring is beyond the dogma and belief system of those in the green movement that have been sold a false bill of goods in terms of uh, solar yeah, from China, want, et cetera. Do you want your kids to be uh, to to freeze, to have no food, to live in in the the Stone Age, or do you want your children to be prosperous and to be able to coexist in the environment, to be mindful of it and the need to protect it, but mm -hmm. also to be aware of the fact that if they are to sacrifice humanity in order to benefit the environment, that there is no good that comes from that because we're inextricably intertwined with our environment. We are a part of our environment. We're not separate from it. We're not alien life forms. We are a part of the environment. So, you know, if you're, if you're doing a balancing test, which you don't need to do, but if you're doing this balancing test and you say, okay, we want, uh, five more inches for plant growth. And uh, in order to accomplish that five more inches, metaphorically speaking, we have to take away the food sources for humanity and we have to destroy humanity and we can't have them have any uh, luxury of the modern era. We have to have them live in uh, stark conditions like in the Stone Age and their maximum uh, age will be 40 years old. I mean, do you want to do that? Do you want to take every advancement of humanity and take it away? You want to rid the entire universe of plastic so that we don't have modern medicine. We don't have yeah. uh, IVs. We don't have uh, intravenous feeding. We don't have any of that. Because how, how about innovating like you've described in court? Uh, uh, break innovations to break down those plastics safely over time. And they deny right. that in the court. So it's like and who, the innovation. Exactly. And who, mm -hmm. who stood against that and who stands against innovation in almost every instance? The government. Why? Government, because exactly. they are controlled by the incumbent leaders of industry who don't want competition. And so mm -hmm. the more, you know, it's very, very much the case that the more government you have, the less freedom you will have necessarily. It will go by the wayside and you will see it uh, in spades in the leadership. They have mm -hmm. freedom galore. But the, yeah. the, the t standard, you know, typical American person does not have that freedom because it's been taken away by the government. So you have to limit government. The founding fathers were onto the truth. They understood that you have to severely limit the government in order for people to be free and that freedom is our natural state. That is that is what God intended us to be, is free people controlling our own destinies, not slaves of the state for which we are obliged to provide lifelong service for ourselves and for every uh, one of our offspring. That's not that's not freedom. That's not that's not good for us. That's not uh, oh. a world in which our our standard of living rises. That's slavery. I would, and yeah, if you I would oppose slavery in the Civil War. You should definitely oppose modern slavery right. by the state. I would say it's immoral to support your captors and enslavers. You must withdraw that consent. 
decentralize and allow for innovation and freedom. And wouldn't it be amazing to see Jonathan E. Mort in the United States Senate out of Virginia a couple of years from now? If you're interested in having that level of common sense and constitutional knowledge there, I urge you to go to emord for va emord for Virginia, emord4va.com and support this man in his attempts to perhaps run, which I think he will and I think he'll win. In fact, if he runs, I, th- I know he'll win. So, y'all, thank you, everybody, to Jonathan E. Moore to support him in his efforts to uh, restore constitutional governance and limit the uh, damage that has already occurred or, uh, let's see, recover that which can be recovered when we use these principles in our everyday life. Jonathan E. Moore, my, my brother, thank you so much for all that you do. Well, thanks, Robert. We'll see you again next week. Yep, we got a whole other hour of broadcast healing coming up because the power to heal is yours. Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. All right, here we go. Hour two of the Robert Scott Bell Show, Thursday edition. While, yes, I'm traveling, but I'm also here with you. Uh, very important hour coming up, uh, especially as it comes to uh, the life of your friends, your family members, maybe even yourself, should you ever find yourself in a hospital. And, of course, many of you have come to recognize the hospitals as killing fields more recently. I've brought this up. Well, in the decades I've been doing this now, over two decades of broadcast and almost three decades as a homeopath, recognizing that the most dangerous place you could be is a hospital. And if they have to you know, put you together because you've been hit by a car or a bus, great. But you want people in there monitoring and watching you, caring for you. Should they not you know, do something inadvertently, accidentally, you know, hydrogenic death uh, or uh, nosocomial infections? These are things acquired within hospital settings that could end up, you know, you go in for one thing and then you end up dying. But iatrogenocide is what we call what doctors and hospitals are doing to people in the era of COVID. Not accidentally, but intentionally, purposefully. And even if not every one of these doctors and nurses participating are fully conscious of what they're doing, uh, this is something that uh, they're eventually going to have to look in the mirror or face God, their creator, their maker, and explain why they look the other way, why they turned a blind eye or a deaf ear to those that have said, this is wrong what you're doing or denied people entry and access to hospitals to be advocates or protectors for their loved ones, whether they be a a mother, a father, a a child, a grandchild, a daughter, a son, an uncle, an aunt, a nephew, a niece, or a husband, a spouse, or a wife. We've covered some of the most tragic of circumstances, including, you know, one of the more famous ones now that you all know about, uh, Grace Shera, her father, Scott Shera, has been, you know, on the show a number of times sharing the story of Grace's death where they even gave her a DNR, do not resuscitate. This has not come from him, the family or anybody. And the protocols that were utilized, uh, you know, under the COVID era of uh, whether it be remdesivir, various uh, pain-killing type drugs, various things that would suppress breathing even. I'm not even going to go through the whole list, but ended up basically terminating the lives of the people who went in the hospital for help. We have another such story that we have to talk about today. In fact, there's a documentary that's going to be released in just, well, just about a day, the 4th of November, as we're here, the 3rd of November, a new documentary that you're going to want to know about. It's called Making a Killing. 
And we've got links to it on the show in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. Super Don put it up on the screen at makingakillingdoc.com. And it's about another untimely passing. This time, the husband of Patty Myers, who went into the hospital, Tony Myers, and didn't come out alive. And it was because of the protocols again. So let's hear that story as tragic and as sad as it is. She wants to make sure this doesn't happen to other people, other families, other marriages. Patty Mars, thank you for all that you're doing in spite of the loss of your loved one, Tony. And I'm grateful for you being here today. And thank you for putting this documentary together. We want to talk about it today. Thank you for having me, for the opportunity to share. Patty, how long ago did this happen with your husband? Uh, He was in the hospital uh, August 2021, and he died in September. Now, were you aware at the time when he went into the hospital of the the risks that were being raised or the, the awareness of risks that were being raised about the protocols themselves? Or were you unaware of that when your husband went in and you're like, please help. And you didn't know all the things that they would do to him. Yeah. I really didn't know about the protocol. I didn't even, I've never even heard of remdesivir. All I knew was like a gut feeling that he shouldn't go to the hospital, but I didn't really have much information. My okay. husband would talk about it a lot, but I would be like, that's a little crazy. You know, so he, he he actually had some concerns about the hospitals already at that point when he was yeah. in the in the throes of obviously the symptoms were bad enough that you would even consider or he would consider going to a hospital knowing what he knew. Right. We both um, were struggling with him going to the hospital. We called his doctor. He had just given him steroid for a week. That was it. And he said, if your breathing gets bad, go to the hospital. That's all the care he got for a week. And then the first lie that I like to share with everybody is they said he has to go to the hospital because that's the only way he'll get oxygen. Well, that's not true. Mm-hmm. You can go to Lowe's and get oxygen. You can right. go to, you know, so um, I didn't know that, mm-hmm. you know, if I would have known that I would have made other decisions, but I, I say I drove him to the death chamber because that's how, what I feel like it was. Now, when he was first admitted, did they automatically say this is COVID? Did they run tests? What were the results of those things? We've heard stories of tests that were run coming back negative, 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 negative. And then they treat it as if it's COVID anyway and isolate them. And, you know, so I don't know what happened there because I haven't seen your documentary yet. Yeah. So he told him he had COVID, but they still did the test to confirm it. They have to, to get the, the monies. Right. Um, and then the other thing was when he went in the ER, his his oxygen numbers were fine. They were 94 to 98. Mm. And in fact, when we were sitting there for three hours, three hours, you know, in the ER, um, his he kept saying, can you check it again? Because he was really struggling. But every time it was fine. Mm-hmm. And in fact, he sent me a text. And that's part of what you'll see in the documentary. Um, he's saying they didn't give me oxygen. They didn't give me fluids, nothing. And they said, they're trying to figure out a way to keep me overnight. Wow. It was remdesivir the next morning. But he he said he didn't give you, give him fluids. I mean, basic hydration. Nothing. Yeah. Mm -mm. Again, astonishing. And I've, I've heard so many of these stories now I've interacted with a number of folks that have witnessed and been party to these things. And, uh, even those in the medical profession, nurses, you know, one particular nurse, my friend Irene, lost her husband uh, about a year ago at this time as well. And and uh, just and she knew all the things and then she was witnessing it and they wouldn't let her intervene, even with right. all that she knew about what was happening. And right. and so 
did they keep you out of the hospital? They keep you away from him in isolation? Yeah. So for five days, they said, I can't go there. I went there every day to bring him something, but, um, and every day I would keep asking him and the reception, can I please go see him? No. And then finally the fifth day he called me and said, I need more oxygen. They're having me go to this other room. And I was like, what? And he didn't understand it. So I just went to the hospital and demanded to see the head doctor, the head nurse, the anybody. And they sent people to me and I was crying and I was upset. And they were like, well, what have you seen them? And I'm like, what do you mean? You don't let me in there. And they're like, no, there's lottery visits. And I'm like, oh, my dear. So they ended up having me go in there. And what I saw was like, not my husband. I mean, it was like drastically different. He couldn't get up. It was bad. Um, How long into that the hospital stay did that you see that devastating shift in your husband's health? It was around that. It was really starting the third day uh-huh. because the records show his oxygen for almost three days was fine. Yeah. But the remdesivir was given the following day. So within 24, a little less than 48 hours, his condition changed and his records show the kidneys slowly and the liver all the all the numbers uh, day yeah. to day to day. Yep. Hospital induced uh, organ destruction, basically mm-hmm. through remdesivir. This is something that is known now. It's not controversial to say it. Of course, mm-hmm. if you try to say it that they killed your husband, they'll deny it. They 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 won't acknowledge any responsibility. They'll say, "Well, we were just following orders. We were told this is the protocol." And they wouldn't do the things that many physicians here have been on this show and others around the country and the world have said. If you had done you know, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and other uh, nutritional supplements and gotten basic supplemental oxygen therapy, uh, this would not have gone that direction. Well, that's the saddest part of Tony's story is the ivermectin part. So five days I didn't see him. No doctor calling me. I'm calling every day, nothing. Then I get in there on the fifth day. And that day I learned the word ivermectin. I didn't even, I've never heard of it before that day. Mm-hmm. So he was drastic. They were like, vent, you need to be vented today. You're not going to make it. This is day five. He was in there almost four weeks. And then um, it took me five more days to get ivermectin approved. Finally, a doctor said, yes, she probably is fired at this point. But, and within 12 hours of that ivermectin, he mm-hmm. was a new person. And then within three days of ivermectin, they told him he was going home in a day or two. Now, didn't say anything about, wow, this is a miracle. Mm-hmm. They just, you know, like, like no big deal, you know. So he started getting better, clearly, obviously, on the ivermectin. And they're actually talking about sending him home. And so here, here you got this positive response happening and you got to think, oh, this is great. So where was the shift again at this point? Because we know the outcome, uh, you know, unfortunately, but what transitioned at that moment where things are looking up to where they weren't again? So um, he always had shortness of breath in the mornings, always three in the morning, seven. uh, And he had his normal and he and the night before he was worried because he was down to six liters. He was 100 percent high flow, about to be vented went all the way back down to six liters of regular oxygen. And so he was pushing the button, trying to get the nurse to come help, like put it up a little bit. 
pushing the button. No one, no one's coming. So he had to start screaming for people. And then that was a hot mess. He said it was because he got so anxious that when you're trying to put oxygen on, it's the mm-hmm. opposite of what you're feeling. And he was, you know, mm-hmm. and then long story short, they put him in ICU the next day. They stopped the ivermectin. Oh. And we, he fought it. I fought it and said, we need it. We need more of it. And they were just hard and strong, vent, 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 all about the vent. And he wasn't even like, like he was probably at 40% high flow. He wasn't even at the worst, but they were just, you're not going to make it. He saw body bags, body bags past his room constantly. Uh, He was uh, researching on his phone because I guess he heard code, whatever. And it's all like they're crashing and dying. and, And it just was life-sucking literally so your husband tony was witnessing mass death around him and seeing his own impending death by what they were about to do to him yeah and they were telling him they were telling him you're not going to make it they were also reinforcing that good lord it gets worse every time i hear these hospital protocols and the experiences that are happening i'm so sorry that this occurred now uh, just going back in your history did you have, uh, let's say, a background in holistic medicine at all, or were you raised like I was, pharmaceutically and medically, and you just, you know, looked at doctors, they knew everything, and you didn't question them? Yeah, I, I have always trusted doctors. I really have. And even still to this day, with the knowledge that I have, it's still like, it's shocking to me. Um, and I'm just talking about not like pharmaceuticals, I'm just talking about ice, water, and food. Mm-hmm. Because at the end, I mean, he, he couldn't get ice or water. And when I said, can, okay, if he's going to die, can look at his text. He's telling me it's over an hour. He needs ice. The only thing that helped him was me and ice mm-hmm. and he needs ice. And he goes, oh, we have a lot of emergencies, you know, Wow. There, there's no compassion. There's no, no the system I'm talking is- about just plain care, not even the remdesivir sometimes and all. Yeah. I'm just talking about plain care for someone. And, yeah. you know, uh, even the when he did the chest x-ray, because he had to do that every single day. And any movement, he had to, like, work, you know, through his breathing, he said. And he would say, can you give me just a second? No, I have I have to do it now. And they would just shove the... In, in, inhumane treatment. I mean, honestly, yeah. animals yeah. are treated better than they're treating the humans in hospitals. <laughs> and so we have a healthcare system where there's... Uh, really nothing about health and there's very little care as you've seen. And so um, I don't blindly worship doctors and nurses. I respect those that are willing to speak up, speak out about these atrocities, even if they were part of it, if they, you know, are sincere in their apologies and want to move forward to make corrections, this is not about condemning them. They're going to have to face God one day uh, with what they did or didn't do. But at the same time, what you're telling me, Patty, is that you just like I did grew up in medicine, or, you know, understood doctors knew and they were out for our best interest. And we find out one day that even if they're nice people within that system, they become corrupted and we become numbers. We become merely numbers to them, not names, not humans. And it's just exploded in the COVID crazy couple of years so that so many people have now seen it. Now, the question is, what do we do? What do you do about it? Now, you've made a documentary film uh and uh, we have it linked up, makingakillingdoc.com, that's going to premiere uh, uh, tomorrow, which is going to be the 5th of the 4th of November. I apologize, right. the 4th of right. November. And it'll be in 
various theaters and different things. And I want to make sure people have access to that. So we'll talk about that as well. But my question, you know, to you about how you view that profession now, is it something that you've come to the conclusion that as I've, I have, although much longer time ago, that to go to a hospital, unless you are hanging on by a thread, you do not want to go to a hospital. Mm-mm. Yeah. No, because I mean, uh, there's so many patients now that have no COVID at all. It's like a car accident or whatever. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden now they died of COVID. Yes. I, I just I just got a, a message today from somebody saying their mother-in-law went in with stomach pain. She got COVID in the hospital and died a day later. It's like, what? Yeah. So, I mean, but what you were saying just a minute ago, the at the end, the ICU doctor said, quote to me, I'm doing what the FDA, the CDC, and this hospital has told me to do when he was talking about venting. He wanted to vent. It's like, what? What, what about what you know to do, doctor? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then my own doctor, I talked to him because my husband and I had the same. And I said, my husband really wanted you to be there. I was coming there. And he's like, oh, we don't do that anymore. And he said, listen, did your husband get the vaccine? I was like, oh, here we go. Yeah. I said, no. And he goes, that's why he died. Oh, just like that See, to me. So now you've got to look at everything you thought you knew about medicine and doctors, and it completely, uh, you know, it's 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 a turmoil because people trusted the system, they trusted yeah. the doctors, and maybe they went in for the right reasons. I don't know. Every case is unique and different. I I try to think mm-hmm. that most of them did, but the system then corrupted them. But it's still, they have a responsibility to say this is exactly. wrong, exactly. and those that are stepping out and saying it are now being attacked in the media. Uh, you know, by, uh, me, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we're talking about, um, some of these good doctors that have raised the issues of the, the protocols and how deadly they are and yep. spoke out against how dangerous and unscientific it was to, you know, invest, uh, let's say inject synthetic MRNA so-called vaccines mm-hmm. without proof that they even work or stop transmission, et cetera, which we now know. And, right. and, and yet those doctors are being threatened with loss of license, uh, they took mm-hmm. away the, the board certification for Peter McCullough, one of the top, uh, you know, cardiac specialists in the world. And so we're looking at a whole world turned upside down for those that relied on a system that has failed them, not only failed them, but has now killed their loved ones as killing it has them. killed your, your, your husband, Tony. How many days or, or weeks, how long was he in the hospital before he, his demise? He, almost four weeks, just a few days of four weeks. Four weeks. And, and and at this point, again, we, not having watched the documentary, by the way, we're going to show in a few minutes the trailer so everybody can see what this film is about. It's a couple of minutes long. Uh, but uh, I, while I still have you here, Patty, to talk about this, uh, how has the hospital responded? Have you sent letters? Have you filed a lawsuit? What has happened in terms of your communication with the hospital and what they did to your husband? Well, in March, this past March, I met with the CEO and the COO, and it's a huge Orlando hospital system mm-hmm. here. And they were as cocky, a little bit kinder, but they were just as cocky as all the other doctors that I spoke with. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wanted, they knew I was there because my husband died, but they wanted to tote their stats about how, what number they are in the country about uh, saving lives of COVID victims. And it's like, what? What kind of, what kind of disconnect do they have when you've lost your husband and here they're telling you about all the lives they've saved? And you know, what's the really rude thing they said, like there's low and there's low, 
but I'm telling the story from my husband. I have his text screenshot and I just tell it from his text and then I put pictures in there. And so I'm telling about the ivermectin story part and then it gets to the, you know, after that. And then he looks at me and he says, how did your husband do on the ivermectin? Just like that. Wow. And and the only time he was improving. He's like, we only allow this many in the whole system. And it's a big hospital system here. And I didn't know that before. I knew there was a lawsuit that they won, but they still wouldn't allow it in the hospital. So I didn't realize that Tony was like an anomaly as far as getting the cybermectin. Right. And it was the only thing that showed any improvement. And yet they discontinued it when he went on. Yeah. Yeah. And even there, I have a text. He texts our daughter and has the oxygen off and says, I'm healed. And that night he even said like, you helped me save my life. And, Mm. you know, yeah, I was close. Yeah. Patty, I'm so sorry. Again, this story has been repeated all too often. And I imagine that, you know, part of your motivation, and you can tell me a little bit more about what you want to achieve with this documentary, uh, but is also to make sure that others don't have to go through this. Right. I mean, he was, after that emergency episode, he emailed the governor. He kept saying, I'm seeing body bags and they won't listen to us and that kind of thing. He called ACA. He uh, emailed the news media and he looked up his patient rights. He had screenshotted it. Um, So we are, our son has autism and we're pretty big advocates in the community. And this is just what we've done for years. So this is just, he would expect me to do this. Like Mm -hmm. he was kind of fighting before the hospital in his weird way. Like he would tell me all kinds of things and I was like, oh, that's a little crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. But what he said, I actually saw, you know, I really saw some of this and even worse than what he could imagine, you know, mm-hmm. and I can only the suffering that my husband did were the United States of America, you know, and this is the state of Florida. And it was sucked his life out and just the fear that he had and how they treated him. That is not what we should be doing here. No. Um, and if it can happen there in Florida, it can happen anywhere. You have a, an amazing governor relative to a lot of the governors on this, yet uh, it's still happening. As I exactly. said, the most dangerous thing you can have in America is really good medical insurance. Um, they will find a way to test you for everything. Make sure you or have something you don't have. Too, yeah, you know? give you, yeah, or DNR you uh, so they can get your organs and profit from that. And on top of the profit they get from remdesivir prescription and ventilator prescription, yeah. Uh, Patty Myers, again, the website is makingakillingdoc.com. It's going to premiere for those of you watching this show live on the uh, 3rd of November, 2022. Uh, this will premiere on the 4th of November, 2022 at various locations. If you go to the website, uh, you can find out perhaps maybe you want to host somehow a, a documentary screening uh, at uh, makingakillingdoc.com. You can also support uh perhaps the efforts to, to get this out we've got a few sites that are already listed on the website super don is showing right now and um how uh, did you have a history of documentary filmmaking before this how did you put this together i am just a wife that's ticked off to be honest and i have a friend that is a filmmaker and i just asked him and i 
I, I didn't know where this was going to go, but I just knew I had to do something if it was five people that could see it. But mm -hmm. I'm, I'm working on a lot more. There's a okay. lot of people that need to, some people don't even know what's going on, you know, completely so baffling how they don't know. But, you know, look, I remember when I didn't know, you could probably yeah. look back in your life and say, Oh, I remember I didn't know any of this. Mm -hmm. And and you said you have a child that is uh, on the autism spectrum. You've actually right. written a book about Charlie. He was diagnosed in 04. Now he's what, 21 years of age yes. now? Yes. Um, and you, I think you wrote a book, Autism is a Blessing, which was published right. in 2008. Now, I don't want to necessarily get into the controversies of this, but there are many that I've featured here on this show that talked about their babies were fine, their kids were fine until they went to the well baby visit and, and got a series of vaccinations and suddenly everything turned around. Yet there's some in the community that, oh, there's nothing to do with vaccines. I think uh, it's yeah. a hard, you'd be pressed to, to make that claim. I don't know where you are in that regard. We haven't talked about that, but yeah. I think life is a blessing and these kids are a blessing. I still believe that they have been injured and damaged by these doctors who meant well, most of them meant well. I'm not saying, mm -hmm. unlike what's happening now, which is even much, much worse, uh, but your perspective on the medical profession from then to now has probably changed a lot quite a bit a lot i mean it's it's one and i've been comparing autism with this to be honest um and even the advocating but i've lost my partner that i advocated with and i'm doing it by myself you know for him and for these other people um and i have to stand because a lot of people can't talk I mean, I'm barely, I'm getting through it somehow but yeah. with the good Lord. Um, but it is, it is hard for people to even talk about what happened to their family members. Some, some of them don't even know the full, what happened. Mm -hmm. They sure. weren't there. And I'm grateful that I could be with him when he died. Mm -hmm. There's a lot that are isolated. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm grateful because he begged me for that. Please stay with me. And I'm like, I'm going to try the best I can, you know, mm -hmm. but. So. Well, many people are looking back at the whole history of their experience with medicine and vaccines now, calling into question all of them, not just the COVID jabs and saying, hey, right. if they lied to us about this, what else have they lied to us about over decades and decades and decades? And even physicians that have levels of integrity that are not in cognitive dissonance are now looking back and going, maybe we should have listened to those who were trying to warn us, or maybe we should have yeah. listened to the mothers and their intuition. Or the wives and their intuition, but they dominate and overwhelm with their authoritarian, you know, uh, energy. You know, oh, you're the who are you? I'm the doctor. It's like, yeah, they would say that throughout the hospital visit. Are you in the medical field? And by the fifth time, I'll never forget it. I was like, the infectious disease guy did it again. Are you in the medical? Because I was like, we need this medicine. Mm. And I said, I'm a behavior analyst and I work with people with disabilities. And I just said it like that. And the guy's like, uh, yeah, he didn't, I mean, he didn't know what to say, but yeah. I'm like, why are you doing that? It's not, it's just making me mad. It's not pushing me back. You know? Well, the thing is you have to be belligerent in defense of your loved ones and your rights. Yet, despite all that, they feel like they have all the cards, they have all the power. Yep. And we're talking to people constantly that have said, hey, these are the things you've got to know if you have to go into a hospital so you don't lose that right and access, et cetera. Uh, there's a place for hospitals. There is. But unfortunately, where it's gone has become, again, more dangerous than it is helpful. In, mo in most cases, with, with the, you know, the rare exceptions where they are capable of saving lives. I don't deny that. 
But the reality is they have just been following orders, which was not a legitimate excuse, uh, you know, after World War II and the Nuremberg trials and the Nuremberg Code that was developed. And they can't, you know, as you said, one of your doctors says, well, I'm doing what the CDC says, the FDA says. I was like, that's not an excuse. That's not a legitimate excuse. Whether you pay for your crimes in this life or the next, you will pay. Uh, but this documentary is so important to get out, as are all of them. There are many of them coming out, Patty. And I, mm-hmm. I'm glad that you're putting one out as well. Perhaps it can save uh, the lives that uh, you know don't need to be lost from this mo- moment moving forward. Right. That's what we want to do. We want to save lives, give information, tell people to to be ready before you get sick. Mm-hmm. Like, let's not wait till you don't feel so good. Because yeah. honestly, even if I had the knowledge, you're in such a state of panic, you can't think straight. You know, Um, and it's hard. Oh, and they prey on you when you can't. They do. P-R-E-Y. You become the the victim of their, uh, you know, well, okay, I I, I just I want to cuss. I want to cuss. And and I'm trying. We got a family show here, so I'm going to hold back. But (laughs) Patty, God bless you for what you're doing. I'm so sorry for your loss. But thank you as well for putting this documentary film out, Making a Killing. And you can go to makingakillingdoc.com to find out where it's premiering how you can maybe host a screening or watch it and share it so that others don't have to suffer the same fate as your husband, Tony. Um, any last requests here before I, uh, you know, for the audience, as far as call to actions before we show the trailer. I usually say, don't go to the hospital <laughs> if you yeah. can help it yeah. and be informed, you know, find out information now. Don't wait. Yeah. So, Patty Myers, thank you for being here with us today. Everybody take a look, see if you can see this film and share it. Uh, we're going to show you the uh, trailer for it right now so you know what uh, what what you can expect. And again, go to makingakillingdoc.com to find out more. Thank you, Patty Myers, for being here. Thank you so much. All right, here we go. My name is Patty Myers. I am a wife that is trying to fight for her husband because I felt like they were like, we've done the protocol, there's nothing more we can do. Did they do the best that they could for my mom? And my answer is absolutely not. If you didn't want their protocol, you were left to die. You were left with nothing. This story is really not about COVID. Uh, Governments and hospitals are making decisions and and care for patients. Sadly, that's where we are now, is that you need to have a consultant. Make sure they don't kill you in the hospital. And when you have um, government involved in healthcare, it's almost like you're you're, you're just a number at that point. So I can't argue with the folks who say say they want to stay away from the hospitals until the hospitals figure out how to redeem themselves, until they're willing to stand up and say, you know, we made a really big mistake. And I said, how can you tell me about data when you don't even know where to go to get the data? I mean, she sounded really um, incompetent. Uh, She was nasty. And... I knew right then that there was something more behind this. This whole healthcare has changed. The incentive is is money. No medicine, no treatment should just be the one size fits all for anybody. Once we normalize something this evil, it's not going to stop. There's just going to be other reasons that they continue it. Nobody wants to ever admit they're wrong. They can't afford to be proven wrong. Body count is way too high and they have the power to make sure it's difficult to prove them wrong. 
I'm so sick and tired of the protocol. The protocol sucks. It wasn't working and it actually killed Tony. So all that they're scaring, their scare tactics and their bullying and their belittling, enough. Enough. Hey, thanks again to Patty Myers for uh, doing heroic work at this time of loss. And I uh, hope everybody can get a chance to see that documentary we just covered. Dude, well. it, it doesn't that documentary look, I mean, just the production value, the, it's well, yeah. just, it looks really good. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's a lot, as we talked about, many people are doing this and I, I don't care if it looks like our show, Wayne's world style. I just want to get the <laughs> stories out there, but you know, if they're really awesome too, the way they have uh, production values, that's amazing. We can learn you know what the that. Wayne's yeah. world thing. Yeah. People like now, you know, it's, it's funny cause we yeah. use that as an example of like, Oh, look at that crappy little thing like that. That that's what people like. People like real, they, they yeah. like less, bells and whistles and just people having real conversations you know so right you won't see robert got bell whistling i'm just saying no. <laughs> we got we got we've seen the, you uh, dancing and we've seen you singing now what's wrong with whistling whistling i guess i could whistle but no that's not bells and whistles that we're talking about here okay oh my gosh all right well remember heading out to the uh reawaken america tour after the show today and uh, we got a lot going on dude so much so much then the red pill expo upcoming events tabs updated super don connected everything there that's up and coming and we'll add more so if you're not already getting the newsletter send or text rsb to 22828 text my initials rsb to 22828 you'll be plugged in uh to all the wonderful uh stories and uh news articles and upcoming events and special offers and deals and remember propaganda exposed uncensored it's about to launch if you haven't signed up yet Ty Bollinger will join us with the update uh, tomorrow's or yesterday's show. Here I am because I'm doing um, time travel Dude, right you're, now, y'all. You're, you're, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. Yesterday. 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 Today is Thursday. You guys, you don't understand how many days we're doing at the same time. <laughs> and uh, continuity is a difficult thing when you're doing it the way we're doing oh, it today. Yeah. So, but there, look, it's really yeah. simple. There's a banner on the website, upper right-hand corner. You can just click on that or you'll see it in the show notes for Propaganda Exposed Uncensored. Yes, yes, there you go. So uh, we did have a, a, a news story, kind of like uh, if you rely on the Supreme Court to determine what is constitutional um, and then you say that's the last word, you could be in trouble. Why? Well, here's an article out of one of those uh, judicial uh, notifications websites. Supreme Court is now leaving intact a ruling that let the United States corporate, you know, transportation secretary or security information administration i don't even i don't even know these bureaucratic agencies TSA. Like, yeah tsa y'all have heard of them uh it, it allows them to require masks on planes and trains so here you go they let stand a ruling the tsa can require airline passengers to wear masks during the height of the pandemic keeping in place a precedent issued by so for some reason it's like they left that you know, yeah. it's like the other stuff was kind of falling by the wayside, but apparently mm -hmm. they feel that uh, the federal government still has the, I guess, what, the right? Authority. Uh, the ability, the yeah. authority, that's the word, yeah. yes, yeah. to still mask people that are on planes and trains if they feel they need to. Yeah, well, here's the, the argument I would make. Uh, I think the case sucked that they went with. Case is Corbett versus TSA because they didn't challenge the right thing. You know, if you're challenging um, on the basis of the ability to, quote unquote, keep the traveling public safe, 
they're always going to defer to, of course, they have the authority to keep you safe. But you didn't challenge the right thing. You didn't challenge the actual, you know, mandating of a, a ineffectual medical intervention, so to speak. That was not what was challenged. They actually challenged the, you know, the ability or authority of the TSA to keep the traveling public safe, you know, in various ways that they've written it. So to me, this is, again, horrible precedent based on a poorly worded lawsuit. Now, I'm not a lawyer. I don't pretend to be one. But if, you, if you're challenging TSA or the bureaucratic agencies, you've got to hit them at a deeper level than uh, this, this, uh, this particular case. Now, I imagine that there'll be somebody else that would bring a case to bear should they now institute the so-called mask mandate again based on this. But it has to be a better challenge, a better challenge. I don't know if that makes sense, Super D, but the idea that they can't protect the traveling public it's like that's that's a losing case it's a losing proposition wonder when they're going to ask for amnesty on this one yeah that's interesting too because <laughs> you know, uh, you know, i'm loving the Bee. amnesty jokes on twitter and yeah. the memes and the whole yeah. deal the babylon b mm-hmm. uh it's just it's just great it's yeah just, it's awesome but you're right I, you know I, I like that article yesterday on the brownstone institute declare a real pandemic inquiry instead of amnesty yeah mm-hmm. It's like, no, you guys, you, you guys need to pay for your crimes. Indeed. Yeah. So as far as that goes, um, you know, look, they will test the, the traveling public. How much will you tolerate? How much will you put up with? The reason they got away with it the first time is because pretty much everybody said, well, yeah, that's what my rules are. It was to be able new. To get on a plane. Yeah, it was new. Yeah. We'd never no, but it was it was brilliant, really, mm-hmm. because we have never experienced anything like this before. Yeah. So it's, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? You know, you're, you're just going to like uh, immediately out of the gate. A lot of people didn't. They they yeah. believed it. It yeah. was scary. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you if you saw everything that they were throwing at you, all the pictures and the stats and the, the news reports and the, the lines of people and the, the, the emergency rooms and the people in the mm-hmm. beds and the, the, the mass graves, you know, and all that stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. it was dude, it, it really was. It was it was crazy to keep up with the news cycle on that on on sure. everything that was coming out there, and I don't blame people. I don't blame people honestly uh, for for being freaked out about that situation because not everybody, let's say, uh, w- was on the same page as like w- w- we were, you yeah. know, at the, at the time, you know. But suffice to say, the compliance issue is where I'm going now. Yeah, and, and as time progressed, while the mass mandates, so called, were still happening there were more and more antagonistic interactions where they're not, where it was, it was becoming untenable to keep it going. What, wouldn't you agree? That's well, yeah, there became a point. There, there was, I guess, what would you say, you know, for, for a lot of us, a tipping point where it yeah. was just, it was like, okay, come on now. You know, who, yeah. who, who's believing this, you know, who, who is ignoring mm-hmm. the elephant in the room, right. Yeah. Or the, the, the elephants in the room. Right. You know, I, I remember, I remember, and I super D, I know you don't get out much, but you know, as I was traveling a bit during that time, you yes. know, when, when that first happened, you know, I tried to wear one of those holy masks, right. With, mm-hmm. You know, and they were like, uh, initially it was like, cause it was early. They were like, yeah, yeah, that's a mask. And then after a while they were like, oh no, 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 you can't wear that one. I, it has to be this one or this one or this one. Honest, honestly, right. that's where it went. And then toward the end, we started seeing the flight attendants and the pilots even going, this is ridiculous. And they mm-hmm. were wearing the kind of mask that I would put on that you could clearly see through and breathe through. And right. so at that point, they they were all, this is just stupid. 
And so the question is, could they get away with it despite, well, let's just say the Supreme Court ruling here saying, well, they can do it. Now, if TSA decides to do it, will the airlines, will the people uh, that travel, will the flight attendants and pilots play along, knowing what we know about the lack of scientific validation for the use of those masks in, in protecting you from things as small as what they claim, you know, were the problem, viruses or spike proteins. You know what I'm saying? That's I would be inclined to know that, yeah. I mean, at least a good, a good number of them won't at this point i yeah i don't think it'll be the same easy slam dunk that no. they had where everybody's complying so compliance is not uh something you have to do in fact compliance leads to futility in terms of your desire for freedom uh basically disobedience to unconstitutional mandates and prohibitions is the only way uh, through this because it, clearly the supreme court is not reliable they're fallible too occasionally you'll go oh, i like that ruling but very often they'll make a ruling. You go, what? Really? Now, as I, even if I can understand the ruling might be based on a, a faulty premise in a lawsuit, it still is something that, you know, the leftist collectivist globalist will point to. See, the Supreme Court says they can force you to wear a mask, right? They're frothing at the mouth to be able to do that. They love directing the little slave people to do as they're told, to do their bidding. And of course, yeah. that comes back to things like real ID, digital ID, vaccine passports. You think they've given up on that? No, their desire is to implement. They just no. got to find another way. If they back off, they're, and say, well, they're, we, they're going to figure we... out another way, to, you know, yeah. to, to move that forward, another angle. Yeah, you know, on that whole thing. Yeah, interesting thought, though, Robert. I mean, what do you mm. think when you were talking about the Supreme Court and how they get it wrong and, and mm. etc.? Mm-hmm. Do you think it's interesting how you know at one time, at least I know, you know, not too terribly long ago, when the Supreme no. Court said something, it was kind of like, mm. ooh. It's yeah. the Supreme Court, right? I mean, you can't, yeah. it's like that. the buck stops there, right? right? It's like it doesn't go beyond that because if they say, mm-hmm. now now that's just how it is. And if yeah. you notice, it's like not just the Supreme Court, but it's like institutions mm-hmm. themselves. People are, are trusting them less yeah. and less and less. And we've come to a point now where it's like even the Supreme Court now mm-hmm. is called into question. And that's uh, a good thing. We, it's like where are we going here? You know, that's a healthy thing. People don't trust the 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 CDC, the FDA, Mm -hmm. the EPA, the Supreme Court, the White House, Congress, the media. It's just like, what does that tell you about uh, our position? All these years, they're coming our way. We're not going their way. I guess we hung in there, didn't we? Because now it's like, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Th- things definitely have shifted and changed. And yeah. um, I, to, to me, I guess, you know, the question that I've got is just like, where is this going? Mm-hmm. You know, they keep talking about, you keep seeing these things in the news about, you know, these, the, the government and, and these agencies that are all like trying to figure out a way to get the, we got to get the public to trust us again. And yeah. we're going to do it by, we're going to do it by doing, we're going to put funny commercials on TV and we're going to put posters out and we're going to hire a brand new face. Right. But, you know, ultimately continue to do the same thing that they've been doing. It's like, is it even possible? How, yeah. How, how can they get, get it back? How do you I put mean, the genie see, back in the bottle in this situation? When, in the midst of the scamdemics or the latter part of it, there were even billboards that I saw, like, you know, it's just like coming out of uh, winter, going into spring and summer last, well, this calendar year still, um, get your beach body ready, get boosted. Like, yeah. 
what? Yeah. And they showed bikini beach pictures. It's like, oh, yeah. excuse me. I mean, the, the, the desperation that was showing is like, who who thought this was a good idea? Do you remember? It was a year or two ago. Uh, I think it was the CDC or the NIH or some, but some one of them decided that we're going to put out a rap video yeah. about you know that you yeah, you need to get vaccinated. And they and they had Daryl McDaniel's, who was one third of of Run DMC, was the one that came out with it. Yeah. And the reaction to that from the black community, they were just like. Well, what, you think you're just going to have some guy rap and then suddenly we're all going to get in line and get vaccinated? You know, it's yeah. they were insulted by it. Yeah, as well uh, they should be. Yeah. Yeah. That's and a so good response. Like, these agencies and these these organizations, they keep trying to do the whole. We'll just we'll just, you know, put out a commercial and we'll do we'll we'll, we'll get a celebrity. Mm-hmm. You know, if a celebrity says you should do it, then you're going to do it. Right. And it's not working. And it's just I, I'm kind of fascinated by that. About how it's just everything seems to be failing how, miserably. Yeah. Well, and and the thing is, look, we never like put our finger up to the you know put our wet our finger put it up to the wind and go, hey, which way is the wind blowing? Then we'll 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 broadcast that. No, much we've less, been consistent, and many yeah, other people have. Yeah, and much less you know the idea that uh, we'll you know we'll kind of hit topics only that. You know, I, I, t- I think about our journey in broadcast media from syndicated radio to primarily podcast, a little bit of radio and and recognizing the message that I've been bringing to the to our audience or to audiences around the world is is not so it's not clickbaity as we talk about that. Your reluctance to do clickbait type stories, even if um, I'll send you something or my wife or others send stuff to you and you're like, wait a second, we need to verify and validate. That's an important part of our journey here. It isn't just to gain an audience, but those that do find us tend to stick with us because, again, the grounding of the stories that you cover in, in our newsletter as well and perspective that we, we, we are uh, not easily, let's say, convinced, nor are we easily dismissive of things that could have legitimacy. We'll acknowledge that. And even though you're curmudgeonly and bah humbuggy on some of these things, <laughs> I, I, I think it's a great, great balance. And I, I think people appreciate that. I well, do. And, and um, I've got to give a hat tip mm-hmm. to the, the viewers and the listeners that we've got to, because yeah. they are, they're kind of my safety net sometimes. <laughs> yes. and, and let me give you, I'll give you a good example. Yeah. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. In the, in the newsletter, I don't know, it was just maybe a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I grabbed a story. Yeah. That talked about how uh, drinking green tea was uh, good for you and and would extend your life. There are, I mean, look, the, no doubt about it. There are good things about green tea. Okay, mm-hmm. science is it, it, and good science mm-hmm. is behind that. However, I was corrected by one person that pointed out the fact that in green tea, and I was unaware of this, uh, that there is a high fluoride content mm. in green tea. Yeah. That was a learn. That was a teachable moment for me because it was kind of like you know, it, it, as much as I try to vet mm-hmm. everything that I put out there, uh, you know, for the, for the show, um, sometimes I miss things, and so I appreciate mm-hmm. the fact that we have got such intelligent viewers and listeners of this show mm-hmm. that can even. Even correct me. And I have yes. no problem with that. I Dude, have zero the, problem with the that. uncorrectable super Don. <laughs> yeah. No, I that, appreciate that, that. I really do. It is. It is really great. I really appreciate that. You know, some things uh, at this time of the year, we'd be talking about remembering years past every day. It'd be another flu shot or flu story every oh, yeah. day. 
oh, yeah. that, and and we're in that what would normally be considered heavy flu shot season. Flu All season. of the propaganda to uh, inculcate you and your kids to get jabbed for influenza, which is not caused by once again one virus, one manifestation scenario. You know, I'm consistent in this and and even claiming. Uh, or countering the claims that they have. Well, the H1N1, the H5N3, all you know, all of that is not proven to be a causative agent. If anything, we talk about, or I do, talking about the presence of those things being indicative of other cellular dysregulation or dysregulations, if you will, uh, because of deficiencies and or upset to the immune system, microbiome, on and on it goes. I haven't changed my view on that other than I guess if there's a caveat in my discussion of, of uh, seasonal stuff, now we know there is precedent for gain of function slash upregulation slash converting whatever these things are into bioweapons to really alter them in a way that you, you got to question every year. Is this something that is natural that floats around in the air that we catch? Or is this something manufactured in a lab by uh, arrogant men who want to, uh, you know, create a problem and then come in with the so-called solution of the shots kind of like what we talked about the other day um with uh, antonia uh, v for vendetta the the you know guy fox day which by the way uh the 5th of uh november that's what's two days from now that's right uh fourth fifth yeah um that is the day you have until midnight uk england time to sign up at antonia's website and uh, she's got three different gifts she's going to be giving away to three of the Robert Scott Bell Show audience members. Did, Super Don, did she respond to you yet about the, the description of those three things? Yes. She did. Okay. Yeah. So so just check the show notes today. You'll see they're a bit easier. You can just click on a banner and it'll take okay. you right to where you and, need and, to go. And I'll tell you what, I talk with her, my wife and I talked with her after the show yesterday. Was it yesterday? I can't remember what day we are today. Two days ago. I think. Day before. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, she's absolutely a sensational gal. I mean, no BS kind of lady, you know, and, and yet going into the esoteric realms, we talked about things that are pushing the reality envelope for Super Don. We talk about gas, liquid, solid as it relates to disease, you know, from emotional states and otherwise being solidified in the body through these various different states of so-called matter energy uh, that then we consider matter or material. And I'm I'm game for that. You know, I dig it. And Super Don kind of strains and struggles. <laughs> well, okay, look, look. Uh, let, let's, let's, let me be. I honest. can't see you. Look, I know. Look. Hold I on. I was, I was, I was. I thought we were going into the flu conversation. Oh, we are. It's just transitioning. All right, in and all right. Yeah. but yeah. you had to go there, so I did. Um, I I have no problem with mm-hmm. with stuff like that. I don't. I just you know I I. I have been um uh uh I'm gonna be I'm gonna boo you're having trouble I speaking know. right now. It's <laughs> stop it. <laughs> sorry, I'm so mean. I'm sorry. I'm okay, gonna get hate mail me. now. Be nice to Super Don. We love him. All right, here we go. Ready? Yes. I have been Super. witness to things in my past that I cannot explain that uh I do not discount mm-hmm. outright just because I don't understand or can't explain. Right. I, 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 that, that is the way that I, I look at these things. What got me when Antonio was on mm-hmm. was when she said, I'm a wizard. Yes. Yes. That was awesome. <laughs> okay. That's not something you hear every day. You know, I mean, what do you do with that? You know, right. I mean, it's like, so look, that is the way that she describes herself sure. and her what it is that she does and she feels she has the ability to do fine it do just we, threw me off do you we know, think that 
I mean, you know the stories of Merlin and the Knights of the Round well, Table. And see, and that, that was the other yeah. thing where it was like, the you know, the story about, you know, Merlin and King Arthur and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I, I am not sure that that is something that is historically proven that mm-hmm. Merlin was a real person and put a sword in the stone. I, I'm pretty sure that's a fable. And so that's why, again, after I'm a wizard yes. and then... Merlin made the rock into liquid and the, you know, and yeah. stuff. And we're like, you know, it was like, well, whatever, you know, yes. uh, I'm not going to be a jerk about it, but. Um, well, I mean, it, it, it strains, uh, let's say your view of reality a little bit. Does it, does it not a little bit, even though you've seen stuff that you can't explain, it's okay to admit it. It's okay. I'm not, I'm not dissing you. I'm not, honestly. Sorry. I know, I know. I because know. I'm sensitive you know? to the, you know, our I wasn't going to bring this up, but you it, did. But it's, I so- think it's, it's fun to talk about because, you know, we have a wide and varied audience as well. People that will, you know, have a limited ability or willingness, let's say, to go certain places with us and go some other. And, and I'm sensitive to that at the same time, it doesn't hold me back as it once did. Cause I was so, Oh, what if we cover this topic and somebody's never going to listen to you again? I'm like, you know what? We've got to deal with that. We've got to be able to speak about things, communicate things, share stories that are very sometimes uncomfortable, not because they're uncomfortable, just because, hey, this is part of the life experience on planet Earth. And there are people that look at life in a certain way that is completely different than the way Super Don looks at life or I look at it. And that's okay. And we'll describe it differently as well. But to outright dismiss it, which is not what you're doing, to your point, you say, look, I've seen things, I've had things happen in my life that defy. Now, yeah, maybe not on a wizard level, but, you know, it's yeah. like, you know, whatever, you know, there, there were people that were watching that interview that were really enjoying oh, totally it, into it. Digging and, and, it. And, and I'm not, yeah. I'm not trying to be, and I'm, I don't want, I don't want anybody casting spells on me because no, I, I have I, yeah. my opinion here, but I put a spell on you. Yeah. No, you know, uh, I, I look, just, I had some whatever, nice their own with her yeah. after the show. She like said she's an absolutely golden heart, sweetheart. Oh, she's and totally no fun. BS. It was a great interview. Yeah. yeah. And so if anybody feels so inclined, that's why we put it out there. Uh yeah. sign up for her, her email. And then you know, not everybody does that. So there's a real good opportunity for you to win some really cool uh, you know, prizes, so to speak. We love doing that. And as I said, we're gonna be giving away some stuff for those of you who have sent pictures for us for Orange Guard. I don't know if I can pull it off uh, this week. I think it's going to have to be early next week. And I'm so sorry for, I don't mean to string it along. I don't do this intentionally. It just is the rate and pace at which we're going between all these trips heading out again. Uh, we're just going to, we're going to still do it. I promise we're going to be doing some giveaways. And for those of you who haven't figured out how to get lots of free stuff, you just be part of our patron support group because every month when we do our AMAs, it's amazing how many good things we get to give away. And uh, far superseding often the value uh, that you've you've th- shown us in support. Uh, oftentimes we can give that back thanks to those that support our uh, message of health, freedom, and healing liberty. So can we look real quick at the the calendar and see if there's a, a, a November date that we can do a, like a Saturday? Um, I was thinking the 20th or the 27th. Uh, Thanksgiving weekend is, you know, the 27th. Oh, that's a Sunday. I'm no, sorry. So those are Sundays. Yeah. So it might week. be best. What do you think to do it on the 20th of this month? A Saturday? Sunday the 20th? I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm Saturday the 19th. 
What do you think of that Saturday the 19th? I don't care. I'm wide open on that. Um, Unless you think I see, I don't know. And maybe we should wait. You guys vote on this. The 19th is the week before Thanksgiving Saturday before. And the 26th would be the Saturday of the Thanksgiving weekend. Which Which one would you rather typically will take off, right? Well, that's Saturday. We're not doing anything anyway, but yeah, it'd be usually a holiday weekend. So my inclination is to say, let's do the 19th. Unless somebody says, oh, Dude, let's all do the 26th. I'm sorry. So so tentatively, the 19th Saturday, uh, we'll do that. Uh, okay. AMA, next AMA. All right. So um, I'll come and get come back to the flu. Thanks for sharing, uh, you know, your perspective on that. Again, I, I have fun <laughs> interacting with you on these. You know that. Uh, and uh, no, there's no hate on Super Don for this at all. At all. Okay. Now, coming back to the flu shot stuff. Yes. Uh, for years and years, I've talked about the abuse of our bodies from Halloween forward through to overeating of, of uh, things at uh, even Thanksgiving. And for those of you who are not doing, you know, free range, I don't know if you call them grass fed turkeys. Cause I don't know that they eat grass, but you know what I'm saying? Appropriate diets for turkeys, which doesn't include GMO grains, you know, deciding to make better choices for what you eat at those special festive holiday events. Now uh, today we acknowledge that you probably have to mortgage or get a second mortgage to buy an organic Turkey, much less a regular Turkey with inflation, but whatever you decide to eat, uh, Eating to excess can be upsetting to the microbiome, which is, of course, upsetting to your immune system. And then you start seeing in December and, you know, right through all the candy time and then the, the Christmas holidays, things, Hanukkah celebrations, whatever, eat people eating a lot of junk and corrupting their immune system. And then it manifests in any number of symptoms that they call influenza. Then they'll go PCR test. Look, it's this flu. It's going to kill you all. Get your shot. Right. We know how the game is played. You can see through the medical matrix. But here we got ads for Tamiflu or what we call scammy flu here still playing out there like Roche has not given up on Tamiflu. And what do they do? The Defender article here is talking about preying on your fears if you don't know the things we know here at the Robert Scott Bell Show. But they're acknowledging, as we pointed out, that the cure is worse than the disease. And, you know, using the all the fear tactics they have, that's their 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 number one source of how they generate revenue, frighten you into taking their drugs or their shots. Research shows the drug is linked to renal disorders, high blood sugar, psychiatric disorders, heart rhythm disturbances, on and on it goes. But then again, as I've been saying, none of us have a drug deficiency disease that Tamiflu will solve. (laughs) None of us have a drug deficiency disease, period. And Tamiflu is not going to help. And the idea that you could put Tamiflu sucks, dude, doesn't I mean, we've we've covered this before. It's embarrassing that they're promoting it. They say the big selling point for them is, is that it will reduce your symptoms by half a day yeah, at best. In the meantime, half a day. What have we talked about? Hallucinations in children. We've had reports. Of- we, there were stories. And I think it was specifically it was in Japan yes. where, where they had this problem initially mm-hmm. where kids were jumping out of windows and running into yeah. traffic and, and all that stuff. Yeah, Bizarre stuff. So, y'all, if you haven't already put the word out, I, I think what's different about this flu shot season, Super D, is that we've come through the COVID uh, propaganda season for years now that far fewer people are falling for it. They're really, as you pointed out earlier, the cynicism, the skepticism about institutions, government, medical, and media, even among the doctors, finally, and some of the PhDs has changed the equation and landscape. All the stuff that used to work is going to work on far fewer people. The question I have, and I don't have an answer for this, maybe somebody else could see into the future and say, hey, what is their next play? What is their next fear factor play? Calling on Joe Rogan. 
what would they pull? What card can they pull to get people back into the vaccine? Everyone for everything fold. How can you top what just happened here the last three years? I mean, really, how far would they have to jump the shark in order to, right. uh, you get people to comply. This is what we've talked about this before. Yeah. Would it take something on the level of, of an Ebola type scare? Yeah. So, yeah, I could kind of see that, you know, if, if they were able to pull but it how out, many people are we going to even now going to be skeptical of those claims that wouldn't have before. more than would have been had there not been what they just right. did, you know? So, mm-hmm. but yeah, you know, you got to have something that, that's going to just really get mm-hmm. them uh, because people have become desensitized. Yeah. Hey, shout out to, to uh, all of you that are supporting us directly and indirectly. And specifically those of you, and you know who you are, super Don, you might be able to say a specific thanks. Um, the new uh, audio board interface board, we got the road faster mm-hmm. pro two. We tested it out and super Don is like, Oh my gosh, you will not believe how good it sounds. So we are going to put it into play. Just wait. (laughs) We're going to plan to put it into play over the weekend, particularly starting with our show uh, tomorrow. Friday's show should be from Branson, Missouri, and Clay Clark's event, Reawaken America Tour event. And we'll see who we have on there. Uh, and we tested the board out and Super Don, it's amazing. And it's just one interface. I got to take a lot less with me. I'm so excited. Anybody who's been listening for a while, you know, when Robert is on a remote uh, broadcast Mm -hmm. and he's using the headset microphone thing, you know what that sounds like. It's not as good as it sounds when he's in studio like right Mm -hmm. now. Well, we tested it uh, after the show on Tuesday and. It now with this audio board, the headset mic sounds better Mm -hmm. Than, than the studio the mic, mic that he's on right so now. So next yeah. week, if time permits, which I think it will, I'll be able to hook up that Roadcaster Pro 2 in studio. And the way yep. it'll interface with this RE20 will change everything you thought you knew and heard about the Robert Scott Bell Show. I don't know if you will yeah, be really excited about recognize that. me. In fact, there's a helium button on it too. I can speak. It's so funny. There is. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah there's a few uh, toys, bells and whistles, bells and yeah. whistles there. So, uh, God bless you all. And thank you so much. Those of you who contributed yes, so agreed. quickly to make that possible. We are so we're going to be able to again, take live calls on the air. There's going to be some fun stuff. We're going to be able to do soon on the Robert Bell show, both remotely and in studio. So uh, with that super D, we're going to wrap up today's broadcast. I'm going to head out. If I haven't already <laughs> to, uh, to Branson, Missouri, to see all y'all. And remember next weekend, 12th and 13th of November, Salt Lake City, Salt Palace Convention Center for the Red Pill Expo. Remember, the discount code is RSB to get 10% off your tickets. I love to see you there. And keep keep abreast of all what's going on by becoming a newsletter subscriber. It's absolutely free. Super Don will send you great stuff. And all you have to do is text RSB to 22828. My initials, RSB to 22828. With that, yep. we're going to take a break and be back uh, from Branson, Missouri, I think. Yeah, that's it. Tomorrow, God willing, less than 22 hours from now, because the power to heal is yours.